0: Hi, and welcome to Bloody Good Reads. I'm your host, Mark Goddard, and we are back with horror this time round. We've uh, gone on our little trip through the crime drama, and then we're back with the horror drama again, where we love to be. Uh, this week's guest has an amazing new book out called Night's Edge, which has come out when this podcast comes out about two months back. Um, she's also the author of the amazing Phantom Forest, and is also a playwright, a screenwriter as well. So welcome to the podcast this week, Liz Karen.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. Um, what we like to do here on Bloody Good Reads is force authors to pick three books they love, because I am a bastard. Um, but before we get on to that stage, and before we get on to your amazing book as well, what i like to ask all our guests is, how did you get into the horror drama?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I think... I got into the horror genre because I was a child who was scared of everything, of my own shadow, of like every time I'd turn off the lights, if I didn't know where my mom was, every time I would get like a paper cut and I'd see my own blood, I would have a panic attack. So (laughs) I think it was just in, it was in my DNA from the day I was born and I was just such an anxious kid. Um, And then I started realizing that the things that scared me were the most exciting. So, you know, as I got older and started reading more genre fiction and opening up to scary movies, and just understanding mythology, and that these were all just archetypes that everybody was uh, familiar with. I don't know, I just settled into it and decided to start using my deep anxiety as an art form. And um, it's working out great. (laughs) The
0: thing I like to ask a lot of authors as well on the podcast is, what was your reading habits growing up? Because if you kind of you, you kind of grew into the horror drama, well, was you quite a big reader growing up? What kind of things did you kind of read.
1: Yes, I was when I was very young. So between the ages of like seven and nine, I was reading a lot of mysteries and thrillers, like you know Nancy Drew and the Boxcar Children and books like that. But then yeah. uh, one of my friends gave me a copy of that um, th- that short story collection. Scary stories to tell in the dark, which is a classic. Yeah. I'm a '90s kid, uh, it's so a popular one all kids it. my age, yeah, very popular, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh my god! And the illustrations in that just horrified me, but i I couldn't look away. It was like a car wreck that I couldn't take my eyes off of. And every you know, I'd pull it off of my bookshelf late at night, and I'd be like, oh, "I'm gonna look at the pictures." Oh my god! And I put it away. Um, and that kind of began that was the beginning of my uh terrifying love affair with this genre um which i started reading more of as i got older like i said i became braver as i (laughs) got to be older um you know and i was also a a big movie buff and really into theater um all of that so this is a very strange segue but when i was like seven years old my parents took me to see the Phantom of the Opera when it was touring in Chicago, and it's a—I was a very young child, and it was very scary to me. But I loved it, and I would just be like, "Oh, that's so creepy! He lives in the basement of the opera house, but like he's obsessed with this woman. Oh my god!" Um, yeah, there were a lot of weird, a lot of weird, dark tales that kind of flitted around my head when I was younger. Um, so yeah. <laughs>
0: Is that kind, of the, the, that kind of why you were kind of drawn to kind of playwriting and screenwriting?
1: Yeah, I was in, I in addition <laughs> to being a big reader when I was younger, I also was an actor when I was, you know, a, a child between the ages of, you know, six and 12. I was in a lot of musicals and yeah. I loved writing plays on the side and I would perform them with my friends in elementary school, um, and then I was in a theater troupe where I started writing for them when I was in high school, and then got into the Department of Dramatic Writing at New York University Tisch, where they were um, they would teach you playwriting, television writing, and screenwriting. Um, so I kind of got a crash course in those three mediums plus fiction. Um, and that's how I became, how I became. <laughs> cool.
0: Well, before we get on to kind of the origins of your first book, uh, Phantom Forest, again, what we'd like to do here on the podcast is force authors to pick three books they love. So what is your okay. first bloody good read you brought along today?
1: Great. So my first pick for the podcast is uh, Little Eve by Catriona Ward. Um, By the way, I just this is a public service announcement for everybody listening. I just Mm -hmm. learned how to properly say her first name. It's not Catriona, it's Catriona. And I I learned this because I was moderating a panel with her at Comic-Con last week, and I'd been saying her name wrong all weekend. And she finally- Oh, so,
0: so have I. Don't worry. (laughs)
1: And she finally told me how to say it. And I said in front of the audience, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've been saying your name wrong the whole time I've known you. Um, So but her book, Little Eve, uh, won the Shirley Jackson a few years ago. And it's, uh, you know, I read her, you know, her books Last House on Needless Street and Sundial first before I picked up this one. I love this book. Um, I read it last year. Um, and I just, I can't stop thinking about the characters and this weird little sisterhood, um, that she creates and it's so eerie and so tragic and the twists, I mean, she's just the queen of twists. Mm Uh, and I don't want to say anything about the twists in this, but I feel like this is one of her titles that, uh, deserves to get more attention. And if you're a fan of hers, please pick it up. I really love it. Um, My next pick is a collection of short stories, actually, that I recently finished, uh, and it's called Garden of Fiends. It's um, a collection of short horror stories about addiction. Um, And it was referred to me by um, the the reviewer who reviewed my book for Booklist, and she compared... Night's Edge to a few of the stories that are in here. So I was like, I'm very interested to pick this up. It's so visceral and so real and uses horror the way I like to use the genre, which is to, um, you know, find a nuanced way to explore some really hard truths in real life. Um, mm-hmm. And there are two stories in this collection that particularly uh, sparked my interest and made me want to add it to this list and that is a wicked thirst by Keelan Patrick Burke and the story first just bite a finger by Johan Thorson the second of which ugh, i it is it is a masterclass in flash fiction it is so unsettling and gross and exactly like exemplifies what it feels like when you say I can stop this whenever I want. Oh, it's it's brilliant. Um,
0: <laughs> I mean, short fiction has been a lot more popular com- coming up recently. Um, a lot of mm. you know stuff that <clears throat> a lot of the darker stuff seems to come out of short fiction, which is which is always good. But,
1: um, yeah, yeah, I, I find short fiction when, you know, you're dealing with very dark subject matter, it's a, it's a digestible way to make a huge dramatic impact um, that you're not, you know, you kind of get in and get out and you make your point and it's, it, you know, goes through your heart and out your back and then you're, you're done. And then you just get to sit with it for a while. I think that's a brilliant experience. Um, yeah. My, and my third title here uh, is a book that's not out yet. But I've been lucky enough to read an advanced copy. It comes out on, I think on Halloween this year, actually. And it's Perfect. it's uh it's Nestlings by Nat Cassidy, who wrote the book Mary and Awakening of Terror, um, which I also recently read. But um Nestlings is also a um an homage to vampires in its own unique, twisted little way. And it has to do with a young couple who are living in New York who win the housing lottery to move into a luxury building with their baby daughter and all the creepy things that occur in this building once they get there. And it's, it reminds me of Rosemary's baby, but so much more feminist and takes the side of the mother in a really, really interesting way. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I, I highly recommend it. I can't wait till it comes out and Nat is just fantastic. I'm doing an event with him in New York next week, actually.
0: He's coming on the podcast in a couple of months, <laughs> so I'm actually quite oh looking forward to talking to him.
1: Actually, <sighs> he's the best. Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> three really good picks. I mean, uh, Katrina Ward is is obviously amazing. Um, I love Sundar, um, yeah. but I do want to. I do need to read Nestings before I get getting that on as well. So,
1: yes. very free
0: amazing choices so uh, yes once it to adds my collection i've already got a little leave on my shelf i haven't read it yet <laughs> oh
1: great okay go for it so it's,
0: it's, it's on the list <laughs> awesome so let's go to your first book so when did the kind of urge to kind of get into fiction writing happen for you and where did the kind of the idea for phantom forest come about
1: Yeah, I'd been writing fiction throughout my teenage years and into college. But like I said, I I went to NYU film school. So I was doing screenwriting, television, playwriting as well. Um, So I wasn't doing as much fiction, but I kind of concocted the idea for Phantom Forest um, when I moved from New York to California. And um, I was very lonely. I was confused about my career. And I was working an assistant job that I was quite unhappy at. And I started writing this really dark, twisty little fantasy story during my lunch breaks on Google Docs. Um, you know, I would go down the street, get a sandwich and then come back to my desk and put my headphones on and just type away for an hour. And over the course of a year, um, I had this book and It was, I had written one full length novel prior to that, that I didn't do anything with um, and probably never will. It was, you know, as they call it, the trunk, the trunk novel. But this one, I, I was really, um, you know, it's for those who haven't read it. And it was, it came out as a very small release a few years ago. So not a lot of people have read it, but it's a story about what would happen if human beings discovered the truth about the afterlife. And it revolves around this demon uh, and a young woman who gets caught up in a human sacrifice ritual that goes horribly wrong. So it's very dark and very peculiar and draws upon mythology from all sorts of different historical sources. um, Cause it, it deals with the question of what happens to us when we die and how humanity has done nothing but obsess over that question, you know, for all, all of human history. So, um, yeah, I, I loved the process of writing that. And then I rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. Um, I was only like 23, 24 when I did the first draft of it and it was published when I was 30. So that gives you an idea of how long, how many (laughs) drafts I did of it and how long it took to finally get out there. Um, And I hope it, you know, I had intended it to, for it to be the first of a trilogy. Um, And, you know, other things just happened in my life and I'm, you know, hoping to revisit it again really soon. Uh, because I miss those characters in that world. So hopefully you haven't seen the last of them. Awesome.
0: <laughs> so obviously from, from there, you've gone on to a new series because you've got obviously two books in, in the new series. So your brand new book, Night's Edge, uh, a vampire mm-hmm. novel, mother and daughter vampire novel, which is a nice little little uh, addition to the vampire drama. Um, where, are you Are you a fan of vampires generally or kind of?
1: Not? Really? So I actually, when I was younger, I loved the interview with the vampire um, movie when I was a kid with, you know, the one with Brad Pitt and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise and Kirsten Dunst. Um, but, you know, and then later read a few Anne Rice novels, which was fabulous. But, you know, I missed the whole Twilight rage, Um, I was a little bit on the outside of that, felt like maybe I was a little old for it. I don't know. Um, So I never got deep into vampires. And I think that that helped me write this because Mm. I had a very general working knowledge of all of the mythological signposts, right? Mm. But I wasn't so deeply absorbed in one vampire series or another that i was subconsciously ripping off somebody else's storytelling um so i think that me not being that vampire girl kind of helped me write this
0: yeah so you kind of kind of less the kind of romantic vampire kind of route and more like the Byzantium kind of route where it's a bit more kind of a darker kind of a route would you say that or
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, what I wanted to do was almost, you know, because the Gothic vampire genre um, is also its own thing and it has traces of romanticism in it as well. I wanted to move away from all of that and place it in the present day in America with, um, you know, change the relationship that the protagonist has with the vampire because usually You know, in, in so many of these classic vampire stories, you have a protagonist who is either the vampire itself or its intended victim who is constantly battling, like, how do I feel about this person, et cetera. Um, and I decided to use the vampire trope to explore codependency in families, specifically between parents and children, um. So that was my way in, and I found very quickly that a lot of the um, a lot of the vampire mythology loans itself really well to the psychology of things like parentification, which is when a child takes on the role of a parent for a parental figure who, for whatever reason, is unable to parent. Um, and giving up one's youth, one's lifeblood to sustain somebody else, and that's the crux of this story, really. Okay,
0: it's, it's a really good story. I have to admit, I've been mm-hmm. I've been reading it gradually <laughs> because I am very very slow mm-hmm. read, but no, I, I am loving the story, and it's it's got a nice little dark edge and that kind of more personal edge as well, which. Adds a lot to the story. So, Mm -hmm. for people who haven't read the novelty, read the story yet, can you tell us a little bit about the plot of the story?
1: Sure. So, it revolves around a young woman named Mia who, uh, when she was 10 years old, her mother was infected with this incurable disease called Saratov syndrome by a boyfriend. And it basically you know, has symptoms reminiscent of vampirism. She suddenly finds she can't go out in the sunlight, has to subsist on human blood. And her 10-year-old daughter is caught in the middle of this and has to help her mother learn how to survive, especially when this horrible boyfriend just like leaves them high and dry. Um, so Mia finds a solution to help her mother hide from people who would lock her away for her condition and keep her from hurting people in their community by giving her a dose of her own blood every night. And this continues for 13 years. And then we meet Mia when she's 23 and they are still living together. And Mia has given up so much of her youth and her own coming of age and adulthood to look after her mom. And they've both started growing Resentful of each other in different ways. And they reach a crossroads when Izzy, Mia's mother, uh, reconnects with her old boyfriend who infected her 13 years ago. And Mia meets a young woman named Jade, who she realizes she has feelings for and has this late in life queer sexual awakening that she's so afraid to tell her mom about. And both of them are grappling with what. Would it mean to loosen this bond and, you know, what are the stakes if they ever moved away from each other and um, unraveling that codependency is what the story is all about.
0: That is Night's Edge and that is out now through Tor Nightfire. Um, again, another publisher who publishes some amazing books and I highly recommend this. I am really loving it. I, I am a vampire fan, not so much of the Twilight side of things, but more of the other mm-hmm. side sure right. of it. And it does kind of hit all the marks of kind of not too vampire but also very kind of personal and dark moments. And yeah, it's got everything inside this book. So go and check it out now um so first light which is the follow-up so that's coming out in 2024 as is there much you can say about this one
1: yes i can say a few things um i think it's it's complicated to explain too much about the plot without revealing spoilers uh, (laughs) uh, for the end of night's edge (laughs) uh but It basically follows Mia after this massive crisis of faith with um, she and her mother, and when she's trying to move on with her life, but realizes she never will until she um, vindicates her mother by tracking down her ex-boyfriend, Devin, who... Is the one who infected her. And in Night's Edge, he has a subplot which involves (sighs) corralling the Saras, which are the vampires in this novel, to uh, band together and infect as many people as possible with this disease and try to, you know, take power back and stop hiding from the authorities and, you know, embrace what they are. And her mother falls into this trap with him and kind of joins his creepy little cult, I suppose you could call it. And so Mia in the second book realizes, yeah, she'll never find any peace in her life until he gets what he deserves. And that's what it's all about.
0: Awesome. So that is Night's Edge, which you can get now. And First Light, which you can get next year. Do go and check out both the books. Um, and yeah, so there's some uh, amazing stuff for you to go and check out, especially if you're a fan of vampires, but not that other side of vampires. <laughs> so awesome! <Right. laughs> so, is there anything else apart from obviously First Light that you're working on coming
1: up? Yeah, I'm in the early stages of writing a writing a few new things um, right now. I have maybe like a quarter of a new manuscript for. Um, another work of horror genre fiction that without saying too much revolves around um, a group of women who escape a sex magic cult in 1930s New York City. And it has a lot to do with um, all of the occult trends that were going on during that time. Um, The black magic of Aleister Crowley and all of those guys who he hung out with. And it's, it's extremely dark and I'm having a good time with it and again it has much like the Night's Edge books takes takes a personal angle and uses dark genre elements to explore things that, you know, we come across in our day-to-day lives that are, you know, more troubling. So this book kind of delves into Gendered power dynamics and how we force women to use their trauma uh, for capitalism, and you know just what what happens when you keep a powerful woman down for too long. So hopefully, I'll finish that sometime next year.
0: <laughs> awesome, brilliant! Thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Um, where can people find you if you like to
1: be found? I like to be found. Um, (laughs) I'm on Instagram mostly. uh, And my username is just Liz Karen, all one word. Uh, My website is LizKaren.com. I should update it more regularly. I feel like if you want actual updates, you should follow on Instagram. Um, And I'm also on, I'm on threads now. I think we're all slowly migrating over to threads. I'm not on Twitter anymore. Um, And I am on TikTok. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I know. Uh, And I am on TikTok at Author, but I, I lurk more than I post, but you can find me there.
0: Awesome brilliant again thank you to liz for coming on the podcast this week go and check out a copy of night's edge today um you can go and pick it up at amazon you can pick it up any good places that sell amazing books uh, and there'll be a link in the description below as well so you can grab a copy there as well <coughs> uh, as always a huge shout out to our sponsor as well this week as a bottom book club the uk's best and biggest horror and thriller book box service bringing the wonders of a haunted bookshop straight to your door each month you can get the bare bones box, which is just the books, which is absolutely fine and amazing. Or you can get the full guts box, which is a brand new book, a possibly haunted second hand book, and also another indie title. You get some UK snacks, some drinks, badges, sometimes a little bit of extra stuff in there as well. It's an amazing um, book box, and highly recommend going checking them guys out. Use the code bloody good Reads at checkout to get ten percent off your box as well. And uh, go and check them out today. We've got some amazing signed copies coming up. You don't want to miss this out as well. Um, As always, you can catch me over on X, Twitter, whatever they're calling it now, uh, at Bloody Good Reads. You can catch me over on Fred's at Bloody Good Reads, Instagram at Bloody Good Reads, and also over at the bloodygoodreads.co.uk website where we have book reviews, film reviews, and uh, a whole load of other stuff coming up as well. You can check that out. And also catch us every month on our sister podcast, which is Bloody Good Screen Movie Club, where myself, Niall, Chloe, and Marcus review movies of all random random ends of the cinema. Um, the next episode coming up will be our Alien, Predator, and Alien vs Predator episode. And we've also got our summer movies coming up the month after, which... Uh, The guys have picked some interesting choices, Uh, to say the least. Um, But as always, a huge thank you to listen to the podcast. If you do like the podcast, give it a like, a share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if there's any authors you'd like to get on the podcast, give me a shout over on the socials, and we can see what we can do for that. As always, I've been your host, Mark Goddard, and I'll see you next time.